say the Premier League is impossible to predict, but this podcast is here to help. We're working with InfoGold to take a look at the numbers for each and every one of the Premier League fixtures this season. If you're looking to find value in the markets, data can be the key. Welcome to Premier League Insights. Hello and welcome to Premier League Insights Game Week 38. And if you know your Premier League football, you know that there are only 38 game weeks. So this one is the final one for this season. Sad times. Cue the violins. Um, or, or or rather not, um, as the case may be. Um, I mean, it's not been the most exciting of seasons, but hopefully there's an exciting final weekend. There's obviously a full fixture programme. All games being played on Sunday at four o'clock. So that's uh, it'll be quite exciting seeing all the goals go in. And I suppose the only thing, Jake, that there is to play for is the top four race. Uh, so we'll discuss that. Yeah, top six as well. And don't forget the Europa <laughs> Conference League place, that, that, that coveted seventh spot. Of course. Yes, you're right. You're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. How could the I... place could, that no one wants to finish, basically. How could I have forgotten? Um, yes, thanks for reminding me. <laughs> right. Okay, let's have a look at... Um, well, first of all, we'll do what we always do. Just have a quick look at last week. End of season anomalies are kind of doing us a little bit, um, not doing us too many favours. We still had some good picks though, Jake, which was good, didn't we? So um, so just run us through some of the better ones from InfoGoal. Yeah, so we obviously, we were on Newcastle. Um, they're around 1.85, I think. Quite, I say comfortable winner. Um, 1-0 in the end, but they held on quite nicely. And you obviously tipped up your mate Joe Willock again, who's been doing the business for you pretty much weekly on this podcast. Um, yeah, Man United against Fulham was a bit disappointing. We were on Chelsea to beat Leicester um, at around the 1.75 mark. Both teams are scoring Brighton, Man City. Um, yeah, and then there's a couple of, um, well, Liverpool scoring a third in the 89th minute against Burnley was a little bit disappointing. Having tipped up Burnley plus two, I thought we'd at least get a stake back. Um, Burnley created enough to get on the score sheet in that as well. But um, yeah, the positive on Wednesday night was was opposing Tottenham, getting Villa on side. Um, which if Tottenham were playing anybody other than Leicester this week, I'm pretty sure that I'd be going against them again. I like the sound of that. Well done. Good picks, good picks. And as ever, this weekend, we're just going to streamline it slightly because obviously there's a full fixture programme, all games kicking off at the same time. But we will pick up some notable uh, picks from the other games. Uh, there are some good ones, actually, some decent games to go at and some actually that scream out that you could win a little bit of cash if you're having a flutter this weekend. Um, but we're going to help you get the edge here with the following games. Leicester against Tottenham, Liverpool against Palace, Villa against Chelsea and City, the champions against Everton. So, but what we'll do is we'll, we'll start with the Leicester City Tottenham game, Jake. I think that's actually probably one of the hardest ones to dissect because Yes, Leicester have won the FA Cup. Yes, it was a magical moment for them. And also, actually, to be fair, for lots of other football fans. But I think that that's good night Vienna in terms of, um, you know, Champions League football, isn't it? And I mean, that's this is a really, really big game. It's also the same for Spurs as well. Um, we saw Harry Kane waving to, well, the few Spurs fans that were allowed into their impressive stadium, sort of clapping and with tear in his eye. I think he was probably saying goodbye, wasn't he? So, Wait, what 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 leaps out at you here with, um, at the King Power? 
Yeah, this is a, it's a difficult, like you said, it's a really difficult one to dissect. Um, I think the market's pretty much bang on both these teams. Fortunately for the neutral, they've got a little bit to play for. So it should be, you know, quite an, uh, an entertaining game, highly competitive as opposed to a so-called dead rubber. Um, but yeah, I'm struggling to really nail my um, colours to the mast with this one. I think I'm looking at goals. I think we could, could see goals. I mean, Leicester... They were disappointed in midweek, weren't they? I mean, they'd done so well in the, in, the, in the FA Cup final. And I think you saw the effects of their game plan from the FA Cup final in midweek. Obviously, they, they just sat in and tried to weather the storm in the FA Cup final. They did a lot of defending, a lot of chasing. And ultimately, they looked knackered when it came to, yeah. to Tuesday, having to chase Chelsea again, um, chase the football. So no surprise to see them lose. Um, the, the manner in which they lost was, was a little bit disappointing, I thought, in the sense that they conceded over three expected goals to Chelsea, which is a really poor defensive display. Um, but yeah, they've got to pick themselves back up again. And it is just deja vu from last season, isn't it? I mean, um, I read a stat today that over the last 71 game weeks or something along that line, Leicester have been in the top four in 68 of them. So no. they've, they've been in the top four for literally over 90% of the time of the last two seasons. Um, and it looks like they're going to miss out on top four again. So whether that is them just uh, not having any bottle or whether it is just um, you know, a, a mental deficiency, not being able to get over the line. But then again, we've seen them just win the FA Cup. So that it can't really be the latter. It must be the former. It must just be a case of um, maybe some overthinking when it comes to the tactics from Brendan Rodgers. Mm. Um, maybe having one eye on future uh, matches as opposed to the ones that play. And I mean, you think of the, the games in which they dropped points recently, Southampton and uh, away and, and Newcastle at home. I and mean, maybe they had their eye on the Man United game at Old Trafford and the FA Cup final. Fun. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, they could have had it all sewn up and uh, done and dusted with really, you know, we, we, we've, we said, didn't we, about three or four, maybe five weeks ago now that Leicester have got a really tough end to, uh, to the season, playing United, Chelsea in the FA Cup, Chelsea in the league and then Spurs. Mm-hmm. Um, and realistically, we did think that they would need to have it wrapped up by then. Yeah, especially with the way Chelsea and Liverpool have been playing as well. I mean, yeah. um, credit Liverpool, they've really turned it on when they needed to. So, yeah, it's, um, I think la- last season on the final day, they were on the outside looking in. Um, they were playing Manchester United on that occasion and had to beat United to overtake them. This time they've got Spurs. They need to beat Spurs and hope either Chelsea or um, or Liverpool slip up. So yeah, it's um, I can understand that price about Leicester and the way which Spurs have been playing, especially away from home recently, does give Leicester fans or should give Leicester fans quite a lot of hope really about um, getting the win that they need. But as always with Spurs, they do have the quality in attacking areas to to really hurt you. Um, you know, if Leicester are going to be the aggressors in this one, you think, you think of the, the, the counter-attack that Son and Bale and Kane can put together. Um, it is just a matter of if they can, uh, if they want to, to play yeah. to their levels. Um, I, that's been the main issue. It's been inconsistency all season long. Um, but you never know with Spurs. That's, that's why they're really difficult to, um, to predict when it comes to the tipping. Um, I do like usually getting against them when they're playing against lesser teams because I don't think they're that much better than the lesser teams. Whereas in this occasion, Leicester are priced up just over even money. So odds against Spurs are around 3.4 mark. And um, yeah, if anything, I think Spurs' price is tempting me in a little bit just, just because it does look a little bit, a tad too big, really. Um, they have the capabilities. Leicester have had major home, home issues all season long as well. There was quite a few teams gone to the King Power and actually won 
Um, and obviously we know Spurs as a waveform isn't great, but they are well set up to play away from home. So yeah, um, yeah it's a fascinating game. Yeah, Leicester lost eight of 18 at home, which is a staggering number really wow. uh, for a team challenging for the top four. Um, yeah, so I think try, maybe try and get Spurs on side in some way. I mean, plus 0.5, Tottenham plus 0.5 is, is around 1.87. Nice. Um, to draw a, a double chance to Tottenham. Uh, yeah, I think personally it'll be, an, it'll be a no bet from me in this one. I, I think I'll just give a, a watching brief in the 1x2 market anyway. Um, and I, I would probably just based on the prices go with Spurs to get, to get a result. Um, look at the goal line though. I think there could be quite a few goals in this. Yeah, I was going to say that would probably be the only one for me where you could actually see it happening, couldn't you? With the yeah. attacking threat, wheels are off, um, you know, freedom. Both teams need to win as well. Both teams need yeah. to win, exactly. So there's going to be a bit of attacking intent there. They're not going to be sitting back on the parking the bus on the final day of the season. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's right. What, what would you be going for, Jake? Particular market that catches your eye in the overs? Yeah, the, the goal line is is just moved up a tick from 2.75 to 3. Um, you're getting just over even money for over three goals, which means right. you get state back if it's exactly three goals. So if it's 2-1 either way uh, or 3-0, and then if there's any more goals than that, then you get um, a winner. So I, 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 I can see there being that many goals in this one, at least three goals, um, given, like I said, both teams are going to have to play on the front foot at some point in the match. Um, both teams are going to have to go for it. Spurs in their predicament, they need to win and hope that West Ham fail to be uh, actually lose against Southampton um, if, they're, if they're to finish in, in the top six. And if they fail to win, then you know there's every chance that Everton or Arsenal could overtake them for seventh spot. But like I said at the start, they might not mind that, um, avoiding the Europa Conference League, playing against the um, Albanian <laughs> fourth best team and, and all sorts of stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I, I think over three goals looks, looks interesting, around 2.07. Um, it, it, that, it, would, that would be where I'd be going if, uh, for, for my main bet in this one. You've heard it here on the Premier League Insights podcast. That's where Jake Oscar Thorpe's going. So I reckon nearly colours to the mast on that one. This one will be an easy game to predict. We've already had a teary farewell for Roy Hodgson um, at Selhurst Park after he announced he was leaving. But he's travelling actually to one of his former clubs in Liverpool, Anfield, on Sunday. Now, Liverpool, they've been like a little juggernaut, quietly going about their business, haven't they, over the last few games and just been getting the job done. Um, that Alex Oxlade Chamberlain goal ruined one of our picks, didn't it? From last week, in terms of uh, just a uh, bit. at least avoided us some money back. I should say that. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame. Um, however, we're not too fussed about that because actually, it probably shows that Liverpool are just starting to just find some kind of form at the end of this season. So at Anfield, with supporters in, needing a win. I mean, all teams need a win. Um, if they're all sort of jostling for those top spots. But Liverpool definitely need a win. It'd be an amazing end, really, to a season that's just been completely rubbish for them. So they've got Crystal Palace at home. Um, I mean, it screams Liverpool win, doesn't it? Um, but in what kind of form and what kind of odds, Jake? Yeah, the, the price that we're getting around Liverpool is is mental, really. <laughs> um, looking at around one to seven, which is extremely short. Understandably short, though. Um, you know, as you said, they've been a little bit like a juggernaut in uh, recent weeks. They've won three straight away games, four straight um, in total. They've actually created more than two expected goals in all the last five matches as well. So they are back to clicking on attack. And, and basically, I think that that's the main difference is 
their their attack now has clicked into gear and it's taken the pressure off at what is a makeshift back them down and, and conceding at the same time. So yeah, you don't really want to be playing Liverpool and, and they know that a win um, and a comfortable win at that would definitely, almost certainly see them through um, into into the top four. There's still the, you know, the potential that if Liverpool win this at a one goal margin um, and Leicester beat Tottenham by five or six, <laughs> then Leicester would actually finish above Liverpool if both of those results happen. But yeah, you have to say it's very, it's an outside shot. Um, a win should be enough, in my opinion, for Liverpool. The bookmakers agree. Priced um, at around one to 10 to finish in the top four now. Um, so yeah, I think the the market is probably right. I mean, Crystal Palace are, are, are rubbish as well. So that always, um, that always helps. And away from home in particular, I know this is sort of Roy Hodgson's swan song, if you like. Um, he's going to try and spoil the party of the team that he managed a couple of, you know, was it a decade ago now? Um, but just recent results don't reflect too well on uh, on Palace when it comes to Liverpool. I mean, let's not forget they got beat by seven goals to nil at Selhurst Park um, before it all sort of went wrong for Liverpool. And prior to that last season, they after Liverpool had wrapped up the title, they lost four nil as well at Anfield. So not expecting much from them. Um, so obviously looking towards the handicap. We opposed Liverpool on the handicap um, on Wednesday at Burnley but Burnley are a better team than Palace in my opinion and, and instead I'm, I'm looking at taking um, Liverpool with uh, you know a goal maybe minus two and a half to win this very very comfortably fans back in the stadium it's going to be the first time that the players and fans will be able to celebrate the Premier League to- tri- title from last season together um, and obviously there's a real feel good um, yeah, factor around Liverpool again in the, the form that they're in and the way they've Come out of nowhere, really. People have written them off for the top four. Um, so, yeah, I really think that Liverpool could, or should be licking the lips uh, facing this Palace team who've averaged around 1.86 expected goals against per game uh, on the road this season. So, they are one of the most porous defensive teams when travelling. Uh, and Liverpool have, have got the mojo back in attack. So, yeah, Liverpool minus two and a half is where I'd be looking. And that is around. 2.3 on Pinnacle. So, that means we need Liverpool to win by three goals or more. Um, yeah, I, I can see them scoring a fair few. It's going to be very much a, a sit-back and counter-attack um, sort of proposition for Crystal Palace. Um, similar to what we saw from Burnley midweek and Liverpool had no problem dealing with them. They created over three expected goals. So, yeah, if you want something a little bit safer, Liverpool minus two is 1.8 and that means you get your money back if Liverpool win by two goals exactly. Um, so that's just a little bit of security there, a little security blanket if you so desire. That's, uh, that's that game boxed off. I mean, it looks quite obvious, really, in terms of a result, but with the odds so short, that's uh, very helpful, Jake. Nice work. Um, that's how you can get the edge in that game at Anfield. Now, this one's, again, really interesting. Um, and I'm not sure. I'm, I think I'm slightly losing my mind a little bit. I think it's probably because it's the end of the season, Jake, and we've seen all these like strange results happen. And, you know, there's all this ring rust and some teams have got an eye on Europa League or a cup final. And I just, I, I don't know, I'm just completely losing it. But for me, Villa-Chelsea, particularly with Villa beating Tottenham the other night, that has basically made me start thinking, oh, hello, this is going to be a tight <laughs> game. And I don't know why Are you I'm comparing Tottenham to Chelsea? Yes, I am. I don't, I don't <laughs> know why. And this is it. And, and I think, but the thing is, surely a Chelsea side that have got an eye on a Champions League final. I know, obviously, getting top four is incredibly important for them. But they'll also be thinking Champions League final a bit, wouldn't you? 
you're not going to be seeing a full, full, full strength side Chelsea. I know they've got a very deep squad and we don't actually really know what is full strength side as we were talking about the interchangeability between Chilwell and Alonso, for example, weren't we? And the fact that the strikers, he's got an absolute embarrassment of riches mm. on that front as Tuchel. So what are we going to see in the Villa-Chelsea game? What, what's the Villa trend? Um, have you spotted anything in the market? Um, yeah, this is another really tough one to sort of pick apart. I understand where you're coming from, from the Villa standpoint. They were impressive in midweek. Um, having Jack Grealish back is massive for them. It's something we've discussed a lot on this podcast. His impact, especially in forward areas, but defensively, they still you know, remain fairly vulnerable. I mean, I know that they've conceded or they've kept quite a few clean sheets this season, but that's been more luck than judgment um, more than anything. And ultimately at home this season, they're allowing around 1.4 expected goals against per game. So they are, they are conceding chances. Um, they've got the firepower to do some damage to Chelsea, but I would be much, much more worried if, if it was Frank Lampard's Chelsea heading there than uh, Thomas Tuchel's, just purely because the, the defensive structure that he's put in place, the defensive process that we keep banging about, um, is just so sensational. I mean, in 18 Premier League matches, they've conceded more than one expected goal in just two of those, which is a staggering number, really. Um, and that was against Manchester City at the Etihad mm. and that freak game against West Brom at Stamford Bridge. So. No other teams in that 18 game uh, um, run under Tuchel have created, have managed more than one expected goal. So it just sort of shows you how how solid they are. They're just basically not conceding chances and, and not conceding shots. And that was the case against Leicester on Wednesday. It was just a, a defensive lapse that presented uh, Kalecci and Acho with a goal. And you know that's two that we've seen in two weeks now. So that is there is a case to be made that that could happen again here. The first obviously being Jorginho against Arsenal, who basically just tried to pass the ball into an empty net. Um, but yeah, I think I think that Chelsea will, even though the Champions League final is a week after this, they'll play a full strength team here. There's no chance he's resting it, because if you if if they rest and miss out on Champions League football, then they make that makes the Champions League final even more important because they need to win it to get into the Champions League the following season. Uh, and I don't think they'll want that. I think they'll want that freedom to go into that game with it just being about winning a trophy as opposed to you know as opposed to a trophy and potential European football. So yeah. Um, I'm expecting full strength. I'm expecting to start as quickly as they did on Wednesday, because they were out oh, Tuesday even. They were right down Leicester's throats from the first minute, and I think there'll be something very similar. Um, Villa are obviously going to pose a little bit of a threat, but they've been so inconsistent. It, it's really difficult to know which Villa's going to turn up. Um, and as I said, Chelsea are just in a different league to Tottenham. So I do not expect Villa to carve open Chelsea as easily as they did with Tottenham. And, <laughs> Um, and be able to limit them as well as easily as they did against Tottenham. So I think Chelsea's price is about fair. I think you're looking at around 1.51 on Pinnacle. If that was maybe 1.55, I'd be interested in backing that as a single. Um, but instead, we'll be looking elsewhere. Uh, yeah, the, the handicap doesn't really appeal either. It's just currently set at minus one, uh, 1.83. And given that Chelsea do like winning low-scoring games, tight games, they don't really blow teams out. I'm not really interested in that. Um, so maybe, yeah, maybe again we're looking at uh, the goal line and, and under goals. One point seven. That's probably where I'll be going. Is that yeah? Yeah, under three goals. So right. that means that if there's exactly three goals, we get a stake back. If there's more than three goals, we we get a loser. And if there's less than three goals, we get a winner. Um, nice. Yeah, I, it's something that has landed in numerous matches if not all of them bar that um, West Brom match 
uh, and the Crystal Palace game away from home. So yeah, that, that is a bet that's got a very good track record under Tuchel and it's something that I think is a little bit of value there at that price. Love to see it. Well, there you go. That's the one that Jake's picked for Villa Chelsea. And it's kind of given us a bit of a clear idea, hasn't it? Because I had absolutely no clue. Uh, the Etihad sees the champions, Manchester City, in front of their own supporters doing a victory parade against Everton. Now, we bash Everton every single week here. I have a feeling that we're about to, <laughs> I have a feeling that we're about to do the same. Yeah, um, just winding up now. There's just winding up. There is no chance, is there, Jake, that they're getting anything at the Etihad. I can't even see them scoring at the Etihad. And I know that they'll have an eye on the thing, but you just know that they're so strong, City. We've seen it all season. They don't win the Premier League with several games to spare, you know, for being average. They are a proper side. Strength in depth. So they will have one eye on the Champions League final, but they can change his side about. They're much better at the back than they used to be. They're in front of their own supporters and they've got Pep as the manager, probably spurring them on, saying, look, you know, the supporters are important. We need to get a result in front of them. So I can't, I mean, personally, I can't see anything. I cannot see anything from, from an Everton perspective. Are you being as strong as me on that? Um, a few weeks ago, yes. But given how City have played since being crowned champions, uh, I think that Everton could at least get on the score sheet in this one. Um, they're going to have to go for it. They're going to have to play on the front foot, given the, the state of play in the, in the league standings. They're currently eight. Um, they can still catch West Ham, but they would need to beat Manchester City about 14-0 and hope West Ham lose 4-0, which is highly unlikely. Um, so it is, it is literally, they're just looking at get, uh, overtaking Tottenham, which a draw could be enough. Um, a draw at the Etihad could be enough if, if Tottenham lose to Leicester. But then again, Arsenal might beat Brighton and, and leapfrog the pair. Um, yeah, it, it is probably, they're going to need to win at the Etihad to have any chance of, of, of clinching the, the coveted Europa Conference League spot. Um, I don't think they're going to do that, <laughs> unsurprisingly. Yeah, um, yeah Ma- Man City, unlike Chelsea, have the, you know, the, the, the comfort of being able to rotate, having already secured everything that they needed to from a league standpoint. Um, and and I, I imagine they probably will. There'll be, there'll be quite a few players having a nice rest um, for this one. But as we said with Chelsea, their squad is so deep and so, so strong that even the players that are brought in are going to be... Um, you know, they're going to be right at it and probably have a better standard than what Everton have got in their side. So, um, plus they, they, there's every chance that those play, players that are brought in will actually be playing for a spot in the next, next week's Champions League team. If, if they play well enough, they might play their way into contention. So, lot to play for from a City standpoint. As you said, there's going to be fans there. They're going to be, you know, high on life. They're going to be celebrating the trophy lift and all, all that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I think Man City will get the job done, but they're a little bit short for me. Um, at the current price. I know 1.45 usually for a Manchester City game at home is value, <laughs> absolute value. They usually go off at around 1.2 for every home game unless it's a top six side. Um, so I won't put anyone off back in that. You know, we spoke about Everton regularly this season and, and although their away form and results have been really, really good, 11 wins from 18, their um, process on the road has been very, very poor. Um, bottom half on expected goal difference. So, uh, conceding more chances than, than they're creating as a rule away from home or Everton. Um, and, you know, they're the ones that have to win. They're going to be playing on the front foot and that should surely leave spaces open for Man City to exploit. Um, I do think Everton will get on the score sheet though. So this is where we're going both teams to score again in a Manchester City match, which I never thought I'd do for the third game in a row. But um, 
the, the, the solid clean sheet Man City that we saw mid-season has, has disappeared as they've rotated and taken the foot yeah. off the gas. So um, you're getting around 1.89 for both teams to score. And, and for me, that, that looks like a really good bet. You'd probably say you, you're mad. What are you doing that? Everton have, they've had both teams to score in one of the last six matches. Five of them have gone under one and a half goals. What are you thinking? But Everton need to go for it. There's no, there's no question. They have to go to Etihad and win to have any chance of finishing seventh in European football, in my opinion. So yeah, I'm expecting quite an open game. I'd love to see that. Well, that's our sort of main feature games boxed off. Um, any of the sort of notable markets or intriguing trends from the other fixtures? So obviously they all kick off, like I said, at four o'clock on Sunday, the final weekend of the Premier League season. Fulham, Newcastle, relegated Sheffield United against Burnley, Arsenal against Brighton, Leeds against another side that have been relegated in West Brom, West Ham against Southampton, Wolves against Manchester United, there your games. There's some decent ones. I mean, there's a few that kind of not leap out, I'd say, but I bet the odds are quite decent on Brighton to get something at the Emirates. Um, and as we've been sort of talking them up all season, you'd imagine that that's probably not a bad uh, way to go. Um, and another thing that kind of jumps out at me is Wolves against Manchester United. I mean, Wolves have been tepid, um, <laughs> but I, I've, I've, they've just been they've been awful. Um, but they've just actually started to have they started to look like them former selves a little bit in the last couple of weeks or, or am I just making that up yeah so you, you pretty much nailed it talking through it there the, the, the value is definitely with Brighton on this one um, there is in my opinion anyway there's either a massive recency bias in the Arsenal price given the fact they've won four straight or there is a need to win bias on Arsenal's price, given that they are in need of a win to get in the top seven. Um, yeah, I'll, nowadays I wouldn't go anywhere near Arsenal. I don't think they're, they've shown over a consistent period of time that they're good enough to win at that kind of price. Um, yeah, they went off look, around the same price against West Brom uncomfortably, but the XG totals, as we discussed in midweek, was very much in, in West Brom's favour. Um, and the same was when they beat Chelsea away from home as well. Exactly the same. They won the game, lost the XG battle quite convincingly. So there's still quite a lot um, left to be desired from what Arsenal have been doing. They're obviously, in, um, you know, they're buzzing at the moment, they're bouncing, they've won four in a row. Uh, but then again, Brighton have just beaten Manchester City, which is not something that many teams do no. over the course of the season, especially since Ruben Diaz took over, uh, came into the side. I think yeah, it was only exactly. Only Tottenham and Man United and Chelsea that have beaten them. So Brighton are yeah. in that list now, which is... <clears throat> That's some list. It actually does... It's like a little mini kind of Premier League Insights podcast reward um, in the sense that you've been saying how brilliant they actually are as a side and massively underachieved. Um, and that kind of proved it in many ways. Yeah, absolutely. And it was a fully deserved win as well. Um, they won the XG battle. They kept Man City under one expected goal. I know they had an early red card, but still, that's a, a really impressive feat. And that, that followed up from a, a really good point against West Ham as well. They were pushing for Europe as well. So that, to me, shows that they're bright and aren't switched off. They're not on the beach. They are still playing. Um, not, maybe not full tilt, but they are still being competitive in matches. And, and as, uh, as I was speaking to someone this morning, there's around £5 million prize money difference between each place in the Premier League. So... Yeah. While it may not seem a lot to the players, the owner might come down and say, right, you know, if you, if you can finish this high or this bit higher, then, you know, you might get an extra 
I don't know. I don't know what's, what, what kind of money's like maybe an extra grand in your paycheck or something. Yeah, like yeah. Exactly. For me, yeah. that be, we'd be buzzing at that, wouldn't we? But <laughs> players might maybe not. But the, the difference there is if they get an extra five million in prize money, that potentially is another five million towards a better player next year and moving up the table. So um, I, I don't think that these teams will be switched. The only teams I think that will probably be so-called on the beat are the ones that are glued into a position. So your likes of City, United could be because they're guaranteed their spot. Sheffield United are the other one. And Aston Villa are the other one. So they're going to be switched off at all. I think they're going to be right up for this. <clears throat> if you remember, the, the, their matches with Arsenal tend to have quite a lot of needle in them. Um, for whatever reason, there's a bit of a rivalry there. I don't know, don't quite know why. I mean, you remember Morpai and Guendouzi going head-to-head not so long ago. Um, and Brighton have actually beaten Arsenal. Um, in <laughs> They've actually got a cracking record against Arsenal. I'm just looking at it now. They, they've, they've lost one in seven against Arsenal, um, including wow. beating them at the, at the Emirates last season. So, yeah, I'm absolutely happy to get Brighton on board. I think they're the better of the two teams. The expected goals table suggests that they are in terms of underlying process and um, chance creation and limitation. You only have to look at Arsenal's home form um, to be a little bit concerned. Seven wins from 18 at the Emirates, which is you know, below par, really. And you compare that to their away form, and it, I think it's their second best um, away season in the Premier League for 15 years or something. So, yeah. Um, I'm happy to get Brighton on side in that one. And then the other one you mentioned there in particular was the Wolves-United game. Now, this is a fascinating one from a betting perspective because if United didn't have a Europa League final the following week, if they were playing for something, then you would imagine that United probably would be around the 13 to 10, maybe a little bit shorter, maybe even even money for this game. That sort of shows you what the market thinks. The market thinks that United are going to completely just play the kids effectively um, and rest everyone up. But do you trust Wolves? I certainly don't. No, this I don't. Season. No, definitely not. Not without Rahul Jimenez, who we've not been, who we've been told now, by the way, that he's not going to play that final game. We'll be playing with a with a head guard next season, uh, which is slightly concerning. But I mean, they've not been the same side without him, have they? They they really struggle to find any kind of attacking impetus. Yeah, yeah. He he's basically if, if anyone who watched. Burnley v Liverpool last night and watched Chris Wood um, the way in which he played he was basically like a one man battering ram and he literally did everything running in, running the channels holding the ball up bringing others into play getting in scoring positions that's what Raul Jimenez does um, so yeah he's been a massive miss for them um, but I think I think Wolves are probably due one of these seasons like it's a slow little, little rebuild rejig season for them uh, let's yeah. not forget that since pr- promotion back to the Premier League they've finished seventh in both seasons which has been astonishing really um, the expected goal figures actually had them finishing a little bit higher on both occasions but this season it, it, it's just not gone for them um, mm. I think that the tight schedule in, in terms of fixtures hasn't helped them because they Nuno obviously operates with such a small squad he likes 14 or 15 players really and rotates them accordingly but um, the, the schedule completely has knackered them in terms of that and they had to start the season later uh, or start pre-season later than many other teams because they're in the Europa League um, cup finals so yeah, a lot, a lot went against them, but I don't trust them in this match. Um, not to get, not at that price anyway. Um, and I think quite a lot of people may be overlooking the pride that Man United might have in that unbeaten away record as well. It currently yeah, stands yeah. at 25 unbeaten matches away in the Premier League, which is a staggering number. Um, and I, I don't think they'll want to lose that. Great stuff. Well, thank you very much, Jake. Um, we know some of the biggest overachievers and underachievers of the season. I mean, look, we've discussed that every single week, haven't we? We've said how Everton have overachieved and Brighton have underachieved massively. Um, and I think next season, we were talking about this off-air just between ourselves, weren't we, the other day when we were having texting each other about Harry Kane and just saying, actually, 
next season open where Harry Kane ends up. There's lots of transfer activity to be done this summer and after the Euros as well, there'll be a few surprise packages from around the European uh, nations. Um, well, thanks very much, Jake. Um, we've got a Champions League podcast actually coming up next week. Um, so we'll be reuniting then um, trying to dissect um, the way that we think that that's going to go. We'll really take a proper deep dive into that as well um, using the info goal model. Um, which will be excellent fun. Looking forward to that. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, Jake, thanks so much for being a, good, a great sp- sparring partner and making me feel so welcome on the Premier League Insights podcast for this season. Um, you've done all right. Yeah. You've done all right. <laughs> you've done all right so, as well, yeah. Absolutely. We win all around. Looking to next season, definitely just remember you can find out more about InfoGoal's model that we bang on about every single week here on this podcast, infogoal.net. Uh, pinnacle.com and at pinnacle on twitter and pinnacle.betting on instagram a new shiny instagram page ahead of the premier league final day uh, the champions league final of course which we've mentioned in the french open and lots of other sport throughout the summer i hope you've enjoyed this season's premier league insights with info goal and of course needless to say we'll be back in august for an intriguing looking 2021 to 2022 season plus more from us on how to gain the edge in the betting markets. Remember to gamble responsibly and we'll see you next season.